thank you. It's great being here. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited, Paul, when you called me and you said, hey, Trev, let's sit down and talk. We've got new information. This, uh, the reintroduction of wolves topic. What is it about predators and people, not necessarily hunters, but people in general, that you kill a pig, a hawk, you kill a turkey, you catch a fish, and you take a picture with that? Nothing. But you kill a bear, you kill a uh, any type of predator, mountain lion or or even wolves, uh, and it brings up this ire in people. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know it's it's like it's you hit a hot button for them, and there's something about the romanticism or something of predators that people just don't like the idea of killing them. Well, not all people. Right. And so if you see, for an example, and, and we talked about this just a few seconds ago, we lost spring bear hunting through, right. through the, the vo- public vote. We lost trapping through the public vote. Mountain land issue is up for grabs. There's a variety of issues that people are bringing forth to the, commission, to the Wildlife Commission to eliminate. Uh, some people think that hunting someday is going to be something of the past. We don't know that for sure. I doubt that in its entirety. Bow hunting, for an example, which we both are love to do, has always been on the chopping block in a variety of places. So there's organizations out there that would just love this. Now, getting back to your predator situation, coyotes, mountain lions, bears, wolves are gorgeous animals. They're, they have parts that can be in the, they, they have a place in the environment if there's not too many people around now for an example we have hundreds and hundreds of maybe thousands of coyotes in colorado and they're continually being thinned out but if you see pictures of coyotes and their pups they're all cuddly and they're nice and we had dogs and cats around our places mm-hmm. and so we can associate with that mountain lions the same thing uh, bears the same thing wolves the same thing but uh I have been able to to shoot some coyotes over the years, but I go up to North Park when there's calving season going on. I help the ranchers because right. coyotes uh, cost the ranchers and some wildlife uh, their lives, and ranchers spend and lose thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in Colorado from from coyotes. Uh, bears also. We spend. Uh, uh, Divisional Wildlife Cash Fund has to pay for wildlife loss proven. So over on the western slope where there's a lot of sheep, our cash fund pays sheep herders or sheep groups or sheep owners thirty to $40,000 a year on bear loss, uh, sheep loss to bears and mountain lions. Uh, and so now we're talking about another apex predator uh, coming into Colorado right. and being forced upon us. And that's not migrating in. Well, uh, and I think... Uh, we won't go into it because it would. That's there's been plenty of podcasts done, and I think uh, Kafaro Cast has done. Uh, if you want to know about the bear situation, uh, you can listen to some of their. They did some really good podcasts on that. But briefly, hunters failed with trapping and with bear hunting in the fact that we had hunters that went and said, well, I don't hunt bears, 
So I don't care if there's bear hunting. I understand Versus that. us as a community coming together and saying, wait, if you take one aspect of our hunting, of our trapping, of our outdoor uh, lifestyle, and they start to chip, and I say they, I mean the general anti-hunting population, start to chip at that one thing, it's a domino effect. No doubt about it. So here we are. We are how many almost 20 years over 20 years from when we lost bear hunting yes. spring bear yes. we do we do have fall bear hunting yes we can't run dogs so what what you see on the western slopes particularly i had a 2013 i had the 61 unit unit 61 elk tag which you know is a very good tag yes. right mm -hmm. we saw bears every day i saw as many bears as I did mature bulls. Mm -hmm. And this is a limited entry. It took me 13 or 14 years to draw this tag. Why? Well, because we don't have spring bear hunting. Because when the vote came out, it turned out that hunters didn't take a strong enough stand. And so now we have a situation where we can't hunt them in the spring, which is the ideal. There's a couple reasons it's ideal. And you correct me if you think differently than this in the spring they're out they're in open grassy areas trying to get that that hibernation plug sure. so they're eating grasses so they're huntable there you can find them okay two their coats are pristine because they've been in mm -hmm. their hibernation beautiful coats you know which gives a trophy quality factor to it i don't, I don't want to use the word trophy but in a way it's it's the pelt is gorgeous sure and so we lost that and now here we are where these areas lost revenue from hunters guess what the same amount of bears are dying because we're having to put them down because they're expanding on their ecosystem if you have that box right there i'm pointing to a small little box and there's that's an ecosystem there's a point where the wildlife any species of wildlife will outgrow that ecosystem when not left unchecked and what's what's going to be a predator for a bear other than humans well what's interesting is and i've been in colorado since 91 and you've been here longer than that and i've been looking at the bear populations and the modeling that the division of wildlife now parks and wildlife has done over the years and i know i remember back in the day in the early 90s they thought oh there's around 10,000 bears in colorado their latest modeling indicates there's 20 at least 23,000 bears in Colorado now in 1991 when I moved here to Colorado there was only 3.2 million people back in 1940 actually the year I was born there was 1.2 million people in Colorado now we're pushing six and I bet we're going to be in eight million in the next 20 years right so we have had people disperse all over Colorado in bear habitat and the bears have n learned how to use human habitat to make a living by raiding those communities and people's cabins and on and on and on. And so uh, luckily enough, the Division of Wildlife has increased the bear tags tremendously now. And I think we're, I know we're killing more bears than we ever did in the spring just because of more tags. Um, but that's a legislative issue that came up. We can't change that unless somebody introduced a bill to bring back spring bear hunting. And nobody wants to take the chance on the legislative level to do that. It never gets out of committee. Right. So unfortunately, we're never going to get spring bear hunting back again. 
All the division can do, though, is issue more tags, and most of those tags are filled in September. Right. When archery season and muzzleloading and the early rifle bear season. So people that buy bear tags during the late elk seasons, those bears are already in hibernation, most of them. And here's the problem. Another one of the issues is that with this whole system, the people that voted, and I'm going to throw the word Boulder out there just because uh, okay. there is a, a big coalition there in the Boulder area for uh, anti-hunting and stuff like that. And I, I love Boulder. It's beautiful. But mm-hmm. if you look at the politics in general, it tends to be much more liberal anti-hunting. Um, but in that situation where people are saying, hey, let's do this, we've won now. They think we've won because we've uh, got this no spring bear hunting. We're saving the bears. Where, in fact, it's been proven that they're still trying to reach the same ecosystem conservation numbers of population. But a lot of that is happening through depredation. No doubt Where about people it. are having to go in and put bears down. The hide is not utilized. The meat sure. is not utilized. The, the financial resource doesn't go to the community. So, in fact, the same amount of bears, maybe even greater amount because of that spike that you mentioned and the, and the fall hunting more tags, more bears are dying. Except no, no. that we're not capturing, how do I say it, the adventure, which in turn creates a financial revenue source for the communities, creates a sense of pride for the utilization of the pelt, whether it be a bear rug or a bear skin or whatever. And let's talk about the utilization of bear meat. Right. If it's done properly, all wild game meat can be utilized well if it's done correct, cooked properly. Correct. Bear meat and rattlesnake and right. lizard, yeah. right. it can all be done properly. The Rivets, I don't know if you know John and Jen Rivette, they're out of uh, they're out of Canada, and they run a very popular bear, uh, you know, bear lodge. Yes. Um, and uh, I've talked to many people. I haven't been had the fortune to get up there and hunt with them but they talk about how they cook a bear roast and it is delicious people come back and they're just blown away so yes the utilization of everything from the meat to the memories to the hide well it all goes in the wayside and they're literally killing bears dumping them in a ditch yet people don't realize that that voted against this thing so I, I don't want to get too much into that, but that's the groundwork. Sure. We can't do that again. We cannot fail to unite and show up at the polls or whatever. So talk us through. We've all been hearing the whispering about wolf intro- reintroduction. Rocky Mountain, uh, the Rocky Mountain National Park has been, I've, I hear that in the same sentence. Tell, set the facts straight, Paul, and, and, and educate us here. Well, and and I'm here not Wait, only... And before we start, yes, let's introduce yourself again. Yes. And let's say, so that people realize you're not some hooligan that just came out of the bushes. You actually have a, quite a resume. You've been uh, a very accomplished bow hunter for many, many years. So uh, introduce yourself. Well... Fortunately or unfortunately, I turned just turned 80 last March. Holy, I hope I look that good when I'm 80. Goodness so, gracious. And I'm still solo backpack hunting. I shoot a compound and a recurve, and my challenge this year is to take an elk with my recurve bow. And uh, But I've killed eight of the 10 big game species in Colorado over the last, well, I did it in 11 years. 
I lack a moose and I lack a a desert bighorn, but the odds of getting those today with the pay later system in Colorado is uh, my odds have gone down the drain. So uh, I don't even. I just drew a moose tag. Think I'll get those. Well, you just drew my moose tag. <laughs> I've, been, I've been applying for 21 years. And I have too. So. I have too. We both, but, we both had three prefer- 22 years of weighted points and preference points. So I heard there's four tags in unit 55. Yeah. I had 21. So that's three and 18. Yeah. Um, the next guy had uh, uh, three and 11. So that's 14 right. years. The next guy had three and four. Yeah. And the next guy had three and zero. First yeah. year he was eligible. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a whole different uh, Yeah, but story. we don't need to get into that's that. That's a whole okay. different story. So I've been in Colorado since uh, 1991, moved from Ohio. And Trisha tells people, when they ask, why did you guys move to Colorado? And she says, well, Paul just wanted to be a resident in Elkhorn every year with the bow. And that's true. So I, we came out here and purchased a lodge on Lake Granby, a tourist lodge, and did a bed and breakfast restaurant tavern for 10 years and sold it, lucky for us, two months before 9-11. Moved to Fort Collins uh, 18 years ago. And I retired, and uh, I joined, got more involved in the Colorado Bowhunters Association. I'm a life member. I was on the board of directors for seven years. I was the division liaison for six years. I was the Northeast Regional Manager for the Becoming a Bowhunter program two years ago, which you were the guest speaker. I was the banquet chairman here in Fort Collins. We raised a good amount of money for CBA. And I just been involved. And when uh, this wolf issue came up and stopthewolf.org, and I'm going to bring that up a couple times, uh, I was very involved in the wolf issue. And I have a background in biology and in environmental sciences and environmental things. I used to be a regional planner in the state of South Dakota for years. So I understand biology and I understand carrying capacity and I understand predator-player relationships. And, I, and I've had an, a, a good enough relationship with a, a variety of Division of Wildlife directors, now Parks and Wildlife, even Dan Prieslow, who is the, the director today, and all the regional biologists and many of the biologists that work with staff, and I respect them 100% of what they do. Uh, I've been to many, many commission meetings over the years uh, as a liaison. I think I'm, I've traveled all over the state. I even left my, my elk camp and went all the way down to Durango from uh, Grand County and had to buy a new set of clothes to go to the commission meeting and testified against crossbows during the archery season. So things like that, I'm very passionate about that, but I have some time and effort and some background and some reading skills, talking skills, writing skills to do that. And so um, I've been very involved. And so when uh, the wolf issue came up and started reading about uh, the, uh, the, what might affect our wildlife here in Colorado and also uh, commercial and domestic livestock. I was very concerned. I got a hold of uh, the Stop the Wolf coordinator, Darren Barons, over on the West Slope, and I became the Larimer County team leader for Stop the Wolf coordinator, and that's why I'm here today uh, under that under that banner. So there's no doubt about it that uh, a little history about wolves in general. So wolves were all the way across the country uh, in the 20s and the 30s. And, and this history says that they were pretty well eradicated back in the late 30s, early 40s. 
uh, and even the federal government uh, mandated that wolves be attacked, a poison shot, killed, on and on and on to protect the wild, to protect wildlife, but also to protect the commercial livestock industry and farmers who were trying to make a niche out of coming west. And um, so probably here in Colorado, they were eradicated in the early 40s. Well, at that time, there was 1.2 million people in Colorado. And there was a lot of environment here and a lot of unsettled environment. The Eisenhower Tunnel hadn't even been built back then. So a lot of people weren't even heading across to Western, to Western Colorado. A lot of environment. Um, so in the early 90s, uh, the federal government uh, listed wolves, and even prior to that, as endangered species, as they do under the Endangered Species Act. Across the country, there's a variety of animals uh, and birds that are endangered. And so it's up to them to try to work with the states and spend federal and state money to bring those endangered species back. And one of their main goals was to bring back the wolves to Yellowstone National Park area. So in 1994, they recruited uh, some, some Canadian gray wolves uh, from Alberta, Canada and brought them into Yellowstone National Park, I think about 30 wolves with the idea that they were gonna have so many mating pairs and a pack size or a number of wolves in the Yellowstone area around 300. Uh, today, they've far exceeded that. Not only did they exceed that, but a lot of those wolves are dispersed into Idaho and in Wyoming, and now they have dispersed into some, maybe a few in Utah, I'm not sure, but they have gone all the way over to Northern California and across those states where they were never before, or maybe historically they were. And they, they disperse back and forth into Canada. They come in, and some of them even migrated down here to Colorado. So about 20 years ago, so the, uh, about five or six years ago, with enough wolves in those three states that were mandated by the federal government, um, the three states were, were given a delisting and that was fought in the courts back and forth. But finally, uh, they resolved the issue. They, each state had to come up with a wolf plan. This was Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. They said, we'll have so many wolves, but anything, any number of wolves over that can be hunted. Uh, that was challenged off and on. But finally, those three states are allowed to have a hunting season to maintain a certain amount of wolves in those areas. But again, this was mandated by the uh, Endangered Species Act by the federal government. Colorado was never part of the Northern Rockies wolf recovery area, never was, even though they are endangered here in Colorado, but they're on all wolves except those three states are under the protection of the Fish and Wildlife Service. And there's a fine of $10,000 for killing one. Um, so wolves have uh, migrated into Colorado over the last, I'm going to say, 20 years. Even when I first moved to Colorado, someone said, oh, yeah, I saw a wolf. Well, there was no documentation. So the first wolf out I heard about was, and it actually happened to be the same year that the governor and the Division of Wildlife said, we need to put together a wolf working group made up of a variety of citizens from biologists to small town people to uh, conservationists, environmentalists, on and on. We'll get the, all these people together and we'll come up with a wolf plan that, uh, that addresses migrating wolves in the Colorado as they migrate in mostly from Wyoming and maybe a few from Southern uh, Arizona and New Mexico. They have a, a, a unique species down there. 
uh, diverse species, not a diverse, but a particular species of wolf down there, uh, genetically isolated. Now, is that coming up from Mexico? Yes, it is. Those are, yeah, okay. Yeah, and whether they're coming up or not, we don't know that, but they c- could, they could. Uh, but there's been a few wolves that have migrated into Colorado. The first one I remembered was, it was the same year that the Wolf Working Group in the early 2000s, one was found on the interstate dead with a collar on around her neck, and she had migrated down from Yellowstone. Uh, there's been a black wolf that was uh, seen up in the Walden area and taken pictures of, and he has a collar and he's still wandering around up there. There's a, a, a pack of wolves northern, in northern Larimer County just adjacent to where we're standing right now. And the Wyoming uh, Fish and Wildlife know is up there and they're trying to get more confirm confirmation of that group. And then uh, I've talked to people that said, oh yeah, I've been in the flat tops and I've heard wolves. And I've been over in the Wilmanich and I've heard wolves for years and on and on and on. Recently, there has been a confirmed pack up in the Northwest corner of five or six wolves. And, uh, and uh, one of them was eating on an elk carcass. And uh, they presumed that maybe this wolf pack killed this elk. Uh, they found some scat up there. And they went up and they picked up the scat. And they wanted to bring it back. And they did a DNA test. And they confirmed that these wolves genetically were the same Canadian gray wolf from Alberta that they introduced into Yellowstone and mm-hmm. Idaho. Okay. So they have wandered down here. Uh, they also were testing their scat for hyatic worm disease. This is very contagious disease and can affect wildlife, it can affect humans and pets and uh, domestic cattle. And what it is, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a tapeworm that wolves carry and they, uh, they, they let the eggs go out of their system and they, they, in their feces. Mm-hmm. And then these eggs disperse in the grass and wildlife and domestic stock and pets and kids can get them on them. I don't want to, you know, throw out too many red flags here, but there has been people that have died from this disease if it hasn't been treated. And they can be asystematic, for an example, uh, and not even know they're carrying these worms. Uh, Stop the Wolf did interdu- interviewed some gal from uh, Idaho that went through this whole series of anguish with these worms in her. And so uh, that is just one little factor that we need to get out to the public to say that uh, wolves do carry this disease. And ironically, when they tested a variety of wolves in Yellowstone, Montana, and Idaho, 65% of those wolves had this hyatic wor- uh, tapeworm. And those are the same wolves that are migrating into Colorado. And even though people say, oh, yeah, well, take them to the vet and get them wormed. Well, what about the wolves that are just migrating in? So they'll be that hyatic disease will be here over time, over time. And so that's just one factor that we have to be very careful about when we start talking about the forced introduction of wolves into Colorado. So we so we, we have wolves. So people say, well, if we have wolves, why do we have to reintroduce them? Well, we as sportsmen, we as educated conservationists, we as a division of wildlife, we as the wildlife commission, uh, do not want a forced introduction of wolves to Colorado. And uh, actually the commission on record is on record of opposing any forced introduction of wolves to Colorado. They're on record, Colorado Parks and Wildlife 1601, if you wanna look up that, you can look it up on the interstate and it states exactly where the commission is against the forced introduction of wolves. Migrating in naturally, fine. We'll handle those as the wolf plan 
showed was made up of the citizens group. They came up with this idea, if they migrate in, if they get in trouble, we'll handle them one at a time. We'll use the least uh, means to, to eradicate it if we have to. Uh, they'll we'll let them disperse. And again, they're still protected by the federal government. All right. Okay. So that's the plan for the Colorado. Now, the unfortunate thing is, once this issue got is up for vote in November, on November 3rd, um, the Division of Wildlife, with the voting statute, has a gag order. Right. They cannot come out and talk about whether they're pro or con wolves in Colorado. That's the gag order. Right. Because so, if you ask a game warden his true. opinions, he cannot tell you. Unless he's off off the clock. Right. He can, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, I won't go into that. So, yeah, uh, they do have opinions. So the Wildlife Commission is against it. The staff is against the forced introduction of wolves to Colorado. Let them migrate in. It's not an anti-wolf issue. So, so l- let me stop you here for a yes. second. What is what are they trying to do do they have a plan this the forced introduction that's that's a big word it makes my mind wander let's narrow down what is it they're proposing they being the pro the extreme pro wolfers correct okay right right what are what are they this reintroduction what does that look like well here is here is there's a difference between want and need remember when you during before Christmas or somewhere, you went to your parents and said, "Oh, I I want this, I want this, I want this new baseball g- glove," and your parents said, "Well, what's wrong with your old one? Do you really right. do you really need it. need it or do you want it?" Right. Well, here in Colorado, uh, we'll accept migrating wolves, as the vision says and the commission says, but we don't need them here in greater numbers. But the pro wolfers, the extreme pro wolfers, the northern northern Rockies wolf group uh who have outside backing outside backing millions of dollars outside backing uh put this up for vote through our state statutes and so it's going to be on the ballot in november so what do the pro wolfers want they realize this they want to connect the dots so let's look at the dots from Maine, where they just migrate, wolves migrate in the upper Maine and maybe upper New York. And then look at upper peninsula where I went to college and the Air Force. Also, Wisconsin, Minnesota, there's wolves there. There might even be some wolves in North Dakota, but there's wolves in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, all the way over to Northern California. Washington. Washington. Yeah. Utah Assembly just passed a resolution or a rule saying we will not accept wolves here in Utah, period. What they, we, we won't have them forced on us, period. They just signed that resolution. Colorado has not done that particular. What does what the pro-wolfers, extreme pro-wolfers want? And this is from outside. This is the Northern Rockies Wolf Fund, backed by a lot of outside people with lots of money. They just want them here. What do they want? So if you look at their banner, I see this banner flying on a lot of their, their news articles. Once established in Colorado, the gray wolf will, be back the, the, will bring back the critical balance of nature to Colorado. My, my, my look at that is wolves will never do that in Colorado in 2020 or 2025 or 2030. 
We've got 6 million people on all the infrastructure that people have brought with them and have built for them, housing and transportation and highways. They say, well, look what the wolves did in Yellowstone. Well, Yellowstone has 2.2 million consecutive continuous acreage. And Montana only has 1.1.5 million people. And Wyoming has 660,000 people. And Idaho has a million and a half. So those three states have half the population of Colorado does. And they're not growing as fast as Colorado. So it's not fair to the wolf to bring them into Colorado in our diverse, big population. It's going to run into a lot of problems. It's not fair. So they, But they want them here. They want to connect the dots. Colorado is in the way. And they say... We've been waiting, I'll quote, we've been waiting 25 years to have a self-sustaining packs of wolves into Colorado. But it's not going to happen because the wolves can never get to Colorado in greater numbers because Wyoming is in the way in other states. So we're going to force them upon Colorado through the, the, the voting process. That's what we're going to, and that's what they did. Okay. They got so the money, on, they got the votes, and they... So they, the, on the ballot, uh, or or the legislature, they're trying to force through an initiative that will... Is there numbers on this? Like 30 wolves? Well, well, well nobody know, really knows that. So okay. in, in reading what they say, they look at the Western Colorado. So the, the initiative states, wolves will only be reintroduced west of the Continental Divide. Wolves will be only reduced on, uh, introduced on designated public and private lands. And then once established, they will bring back this diversity. And then if they're voted in, then the Division of Wildlife will spend lots of money, our cash fund, to bring these wolves in. And so how many? The head of the Wolf Project stated that there's enough environment in western Colorado for at least 500 wolves now. Will that ever happen? I don't know. Look at Montana. There's between 800 and, and, and 1,200 wolves in Colorado or right, in Montana. Montana. Yeah. There's about 800 in Idaho. There's about uh, three or 400, 500, 600 in Wyoming around Yellowstone and dispersed all through the state. So, yeah, there might be enough environment out there, but we have a lot of people dispersed that way. So what's the in figure? I, we have no idea. The Division of Wildlife has not had to come up with a plan. That was a just estimate. So, so this is we're really in the the the, the groundwork. The, oh boy, the, the, okay. as, as ever. So, when when you go, let's say, will it basically say yes, we're going to bring in wolves with no stipulation, or no, we're not going to bring in wolves, kind of like Utah did. Basically, is that, is that where this basically is be? it's a yes or no vote? A yes or no vote. Yeah, and we're trying to convince. Yeah, we're so we're in we're in trouble. So right now, we've got to get the word out. You and I are talking to the choir, right? All your followers, right. mostly all hunters, right? Fishermen, outdoor enthusiasts, understand the issue here. The issue is wolves in greater numbers over years, and in ten years, fifteen years, I won't be on this earth. Okay, I'll be ninety, ninety-five, one hundred years old. You'll still be here. But in twenty-five years, I'm looking at the future of Colorado right. when we have eight million people, mm-hmm. nine million mm-hmm. people, and and the wolves would happen to grow to larger, larger numbers. What will the future be like then? And so uh, the plan is then is if this if this initiative passes by by one vote over 50%. So we have to, there's, there's uh, I think, let's see, there's about 3 million voters in Colorado. So we have to convince 
a million and a half voters plus one to say no. This is something that we did not do with the bear issue. Correct. And with the traffic, traffic, and there was no lead out there like Stop the Wolf. And there's one other organization called Coloradoans Protecting Wildlife, and it's called Rethink the Wolf. And they're made up of cattlemen and stock growers. So both of those two organizations are only one that are putting out notices about this. I even had a chance before this pandemic went on, I went and gave a seminar to the Muzzleloading Association's banquet and they got on board and they donated money to Stop the Wolf. I even went to the Rotary Club in Fort Collins. I was gonna do two or three more in the area and went and gave a presentation to them. And I was gonna go out to the fair and I was gonna go to the farmer's market and I was gonna go to some other downtown Fort Collins groups to give a presentation, but that's all been put on hold. Right. And uh, so, I, so I would think there's been about four wilderness areas in Colorado that have been designated, for an example, prematurely, but designated. Flat Top Wilderness Area, where I'll be hunting again this year for elk, Wilman each, and probably a couple others. I would only guess that maybe initially in about three years, if this, if this initiative would pass, so let's back up. For the first two years, the division is mandated to come up with a plan. So what they would have to do is spend, in those two years of our game cash fund, not general tax money, $800,000 to come up with a plan, have staff, have public meetings all around the state for two years to bring in that input, analyze the plan before even a wolf was even thought about bringing into Colorado. So that's $800,000 that could be put into other projects in Colorado. Right. And ironically, I just got word from Denny Barron's is that uh, a senator uh, put in a, another bill for wolves and she tried to get funding for a wolf project and her Democratic side says, we don't have any money for this because the state is in such a ramshackle thing with this pandemic, we don't have any money. So even though they don't have any money, the state to even fund any type of wolf project, Division of Wildlife certainly does not, and, uh, but it's gonna be forced upon it and they're gonna be mandated to do it. So let's say in two years, this thing passes, heavens forbid, um, probably I thinking 10 wolves would be brought from somewhere. Now that somewhere would be who knows where. So would another state like Montana Idaho or Wyoming say, oh, yeah, come on and get 10 wolves from us. We'll give them to you. Well, wait a minute. What if those wolves has this high disease right. and there's lawsuits and on and on and on and on? Right. Would they take the chance of saying, yeah, you can have our wolves? Or they might say, no, this is not a good idea. What about Canada? And would the federal government, who wants to delist the wolves, they're in the process of doing this. They're taking their time. And when it happens nationwide, I don't know. I thought it was going to happen this March. It seems to be being delayed for some reason. Of course, government works slowly. They might be delisted nationwide uh, next year or the following year. How that affects and then all the management of wolves would come back to Colorado and they'd have to come up with a plan and dealing with, with whether they're migrating and are forced in. So let's say 10 wolves were brought in from Alberta or from Montana and put into the flat top wilderness area. Mm -hmm. Their growth rate is around 28%. Okay. So you got 
10 wolves, growth them at 28%, and then 28%, 28%. So let's two, say they're... 2.5 uh, additional each year. Yeah. So yeah. they were 12, and then we're... Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And then the following year, they'd bring in 10 more for the Wilman each. Ah, yeah. So now we got 30 here, and we got 30 there. We got... Thir- in, in five or six or seven years, we got 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 wolves. Is that enough sustainable wolf population that the pro-wolfers would back off? The history says no, because mm. they will keep bringing these aspects to the courts, and the courts may say, oh, no, we've got enough environment. You don't have enough wolves. You don't have enough proof. You don't have enough science to say that these are enough wolves. And by the time all these lawsuits are settled, then more wolves keep populating Colorado like they did up in Yellowstone and those places. So this is something that's going to happen in the past, but we're trying to head this off. We're trying to head it off. And the, they're willing to spend, they already did, $1.4 million to get this on the ballot. That money came from out of state. It came from Defenders of Wildlife, came from uh, a, a biodiversity guy out of Boulder, came from uh, the, the, the Zoo and Aquarium Association, came from a podcast guy that, that wrote a book called The Four-Day Work Week. And he used to be an ex-kickboxer, and he came up with an in-kind match of a hundred thousand, and and asked his people to, to come in with that also, and the uh, and the uh, the Tide Association out of California is a who, is, who's the podcaster? Yeah, I can't remember his name. He was okay. he, he was on a he he hardly even hunts. They just got a hold of him, and I can't remember his name. Not Joe Rogan. Not Joe Rogan. No, no, no. yeah, okay. not Joe, not yeah. Joe. But he was on that same type of program on a caribou hunt with, uh, yeah, Ranella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came, and he's putting money towards that. That's right. In kind, a hundred thousand, and he challenges his, his podcasters, followers to donate a hundred thousand. And also, the Tide organization out of California was a broker for people who don't want to be known to be putting money into right, campaigns sure, sure. and then they'd spread that out so they came up with over a million dollars to get this on the ballot. the ballot anyway so so anyway i don't want to get involved right, in that because sure, sure, sure. we're not against ballot initiatives no because it's the way it is that's the way you change things that that is true so but it's uh, also called bio, 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 you know, ballot box biology right. because 83 percent of those who are going to vote for these live along the front range they have nothing there's no threats to their livelihood, and they have nothing at stake, and they have nothing invested. There's only 5% of us that hunt in Colorado. Right. So many people along the front range, when they see about, oh, let's bring wolves to Western Colorado. Oh, that'd be cool. Maybe I'll hear or see one. Well, it would be cool to see one, maybe hear one. It's not in their backyard, and they have nothing invested. Um, so they might say, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, they get their ballot, and it goes, oh, oh yeah, that'd be cool and vote for it and that's what we're up against okay well i i i have a couple of thoughts first of all why can't we use yellowstone as a case study okay you talk about the reintroduction of wolves into yellowstone and well and my numbers are not going to be correct so don't please don't email me because i'm not fact checking this but it's going to be something in the i think when they reintroduced wolves in yellowstone there was the herd that the elk herd i'm talking was around eleven thousand. and again i'm 
literally going off the cuff here. Yeah. It was a good, healthy, maybe even a little too much. Okay, I understand that. I understand Up that. Up to 19,000 elk, actually, was in okay. that whole area. Yeah. Rocky Mountain National Park, we keep hearing, that is in yours and my backyard. Yeah. Okay? And we know that it's overpopulated with elk. We know that. Okay? There's a lot of things we as hunters say, hey, let's do this. They're, that's one of the places they're looking at bringing wolves in to help, and I'm doing air quotes here, people, to help the elk population. And I'm going to follow up on this because I've got, a, as you see, when I walked in here, I got this. Yeah, you got, got a this, binder. I got binders full of information. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what Vaughn Baker, who used to be the superintendent of the park, said in an editorial to Denver about the wolf introduction good, there. Good, But I know that the if you look at the case study of Yellowstone and the reintroduction of wolves into an ecosystem, it decimated the elk herd population. Now, it, I have... I have a niece that is uh, a wonderful young lady, but she's also educated in a very liberal environment and thinks that the wolves are the best thing since sliced bread. And, um, of course, she is my niece, so I must tread lightly and be respectful, as you would want to be with anybody. That's true. But my... my uh, discussion with her started out as, yeah, but wolves are the ultimate predator. Okay? You look at a mountain lion, they're pretty good predators. I mean, they're pretty effective. But, but they're, indiv- wolf, but they're, but they're individual. individuals. A they're wolf individual. is an army yeah. of assassins. Okay? And her response is, yeah, but they only kill what they eat. And then you go to YouTube and you Google wolves killing elk in Yellowstone and you see, I think this one I, I watched, these, this, this herd of, of, of elk get, get herded into a big deep snow field, if you will, where they cannot move very good. And I think the elk killed 22, 22 elk. I mean, the wolves killed 22 elk and I think they ate on two of them. Right. And they've shown this. In some instances, on sheep and other livestock, and and livestock don't aren't going to run like elk do. No way. They're going to get bogged down, and and wolves have a tendency to attack and uh, kill more than they probably eat it sometimes. Sometimes. So the Yellowstone situation is interesting. As I as I referred to, it's two point two million acres. And Montana has one point one and a half million people. So Yellowstone, when you drive through, you don't see any gas stations, you don't see any housing developments, you don't see any p- city parks, you don't see any cattle, you don't see any of that. You see wildlife, and it's a wonderful, wonderful place to go. But I remember years ago when I went through there, there were elk all over the place, and now you hardly ever see any elk. You see bison, but that's about it. You see a few moose, but not too many. Well, and didn't didn't they they were hard on the moose population? Very hard too. on the moose population, because uh, because the statistics on moose is that moose don't disperse. They're pretty individuals, and particularly in the winter time when they're in their feeding area along a river bottom where there's a lot of willows. They did some study on when do moose really want to get away from wolves, and they found out that elk, with if wolves get within 200 yards or 300 yards of, of uh, elk, they'll start moving and run. Moose have a tendency to stay where they're at within 100 yards, and we have we showed a picture, a little video of uh, of wolves in Yellowstone attacking a cow moose and her calf in the water in Yellowstone, 
and they surrounded this moose, moose and her calf, and they eventually pulled the calf away from the moose who was tr- the cow moose who was trying to protect her baby. They drug it up on shore and devoured it right there. And uh, we had people walking down the aisle, and this is on a big screen TV. And the women, particularly, sat there gasping with their hand over their mouth, couldn't believe what they were seeing. And uh, this happens a lot. And I think, can you imagine how many millions of dollars that Colorado was spent on our moose population? We have about 3,000 Chavez moose here in Colorado. And, and hunters would love to get those tags, and they've spent millions of dollars trying to get those tags. And that money goes into research and moose population and habitat. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think over time, the moose population would be lowered uh, if the wolves get in. So Yellowstone's an interesting thing. In some areas of Yellowstone, I got reports right here, it didn't happen all over Yellowstone. Oh, really? The, 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 the biodiversity didn't change. In certain areas along some river bottoms where the elk were really coming down and eating too much of that, that, that river bottom, willows, et cetera, it did affect a lot of things from butterflies to beavers, okay? But you can't use that that story and that 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 view on all of Yellowstone it did help in certain areas there was other factors that reduced the elk herd they had some droughts they had some fires they had some uh, on and on and on and maybe there were too many elk in the Yellowstone area and so there was a reason so let's there was a reason that probably the wolves did Yellowstone a slight favor by reducing the elk herd to bring back the whole ecosystem to a better place or not the whole but parts of it. Now, the problem is wolves dispersed and they went into Wyoming and they went into Idaho and they went other places and they have come down to Colorado. So there might have been a need for wolves or a bigger, different predator in Yellowstone, but there's no need for here in Colorado to have an apex predator. There's no need. And the pro wolfers just want them here because they think there's a need. They're gonna bring back the critical balance of nature. The only way you're gonna bring back the critical balance of nature is if we wouldn't have started uh, messing with it in the beginning. Well, no doubt about it. The moment you introduce humans, yeah, there you go. There has to be management. No doubt about it. And and we have we have dispersed all over Colorado. We have changed the landscape of Colorado with our roads and our infrastructure. Uh, look at Fort Collins. I mean, there used to be pheasants and all sorts of critters around Fo- look, Fort look Collins. Look right here on this farm. Right here. Right here on this farm. Yeah. You could look around and see for miles that's, farmland. And now right. you look in every direction and there's new subdivisions oh, going yeah. up. And there's new. You know, we have yeah. antelope that come through here. And I remember seeing antelope years ago and they would hang out well there's not any places for them to hang out now because you're they're either hanging out in somebody's yard mm-hmm. or a small field yeah yeah we yeah. have we have we continue to grow well i've told i've told some people i said the only way we're going to change the ecology of colorado is if four million of us leave colorado and yeah. take all the infrastructure and our vehicles and our houses away and let Colorado grow back the way it was in 1940. Right. And, uh, but that's not going to happen. We're just mm-hmm. going to increase our population. So it's not fair to the wolf to bring them in here, even though the... the that's uh, an interesting perspective. I, I never have, you know, and I've, I've been uh, a, a proponent of uh, balance in the ecosystem 
all you know my whole life sure but i never looked at with the wolf population i always look at it as the the drain it's going to be on the wildlife because they are such apex predators i never looked at it in the fact that it's not fair to them because i actually like yeah. wolves yeah. yeah i think they're gorgeous yeah they're beautiful. and they, ha and they yeah. have a place yeah but i don't think the place is colorado and i i hundred percent agree right. and i think many people hopefully would agree the same way that when they go to the on november 3rd when they get when they're sending their their mail-in ballot it's surprising i i try to con i try to bring this subject up to anybody or whether it's at dasbog coffee or at starbucks or out when i'm up at north park wandering around and fishing up there and if i see a group of people fishing i'll go over and i said any hunters and fishermen oh yeah i'm a hunter and oh i used to be or that and i says well what are, are you aware of the old fish here in colorado well i've heard something about it. it's surprising how many people don't know or they've heard something but they don't know what it is or if there's going to be any action taken in november and so i hand out one of these brochures uh and uh, gives a lot of facts says here's some talking points spread the word tell your friends this is a bad idea for colorado and uh I, i've talked to people that are that are going to vote yes and it's and i've walked around my neighborhood and very ed educated people have gone to college and pe some people initially think this would be real cool until i kind of bring him up to date on what's going on they go well okay well i'll look at i'll look at both sides of this and this and that well and i hate to be beat a dead horse but you go back to the bear issue yeah. and the reason we lost was because hunters looked at it as well bears we don't need to hunt them. We can hunt them in the fall. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not. I, yeah. I don't hunt bears in the spring, so I guess it's not that big of a deal. And what we had is we we had a split vote with hunters. Yeah, and the issue then was is baiting fair chase. Right. And in the spring, uh, the cubs are coming out of their dens, and will you orphan the cubs? Those were the two big issues. Right. Is it is it fair chase to bait bears and to use dogs? and to orphan kids, cubs. Yeah, that was the big issue back there. Right. And Colorado voters and some hunters said, even with the trapping, well, I don't trap it, I don't think it's right. Well, we can't trap in Colorado. And they even tried recently to, to end all box traps. No trapping whatsoever in Colorado. And uh, that was put on hold by the commission. Okay, so, so, so we gotta get the education out there. No doubt about yeah. it. Okay, uh, what else you got as far as, um, uh, any of the specifics here within Colorado and how, uh, what do we need to do? What we need to do as sportsmen, because as we talked about, and I said, we're talking to the choir right now. We need to talk to the people outside of our choir. We need to, and I would, I would encourage everybody that's listening to this to go to the stopthewolf.org website stopthewolf.org website you're going to see testimonies from past wildlife commissioners past game biologists for the division of wildlife other cattlemen uh, associations that say this is a terrible idea we've got backing from nra we've got backing from uh, uh, safari international We've got backing from a variety of groups like the CBA and the traditional bow hunters and muzzleloading association have contributed money. We need to fund this. We need to fund this. And we're, I'm hoping every one of you that are listening to this will, will dig into your pocket, pull out $25, and send it to stopthewolf.org 
because so, we need the money to get this campaign rolling in late September and October for our radio, for our TV, for our billboards, for our our different websites, and and this podcast is just one of those. And unfortunately, I can't get around to go to these some of these community meetings. But stopthewolf.org would love your contributions. Uh, because it takes money to fight this. It does. It takes money to get the word out. No doubt about it. And so what you're going to find on StopTheWolf.org is, is facts. And you're going to find also some talking points. So don't let emotions get in your way about this. Like, oh, I think Wolf is a dead wolf, and I'm going to shoot one in SSS. You're right. Yeah, well, I don't believe in shoot and Yeah, and I don't, I personally, I don't believe in that whatsoever. Yeah. It's like the guy that shot the wolf over there in Kremlin and mistaken it for a coyote. And he turned it in, and the Fish and Wildlife Service examined him. He did everything right. And I would have done the same thing. It made a mistake. I'm not going to go shoot one just because I don't like a wolf. I'm more of a, I'm more in tune with biology. I'd report it. This is the other thing. I just got a notice from the Division of Wildlife and it's on their website. They now have a, a developing a tracking system and a, and a reporting system for individuals. So they're saying, listen, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people out this weekend and all through the summer and camping and hiking and biking and all this. If you see a wolf Report it. Report it to the Division of Wildlife on their website. There's a form to fill out. You can report it to the local Division of Wildlife headquarters. Tell them you saw a wolf. If you can, take a picture, put a GPS coordinate down, and report it. This would give the Division of Wildlife or Parks and Wildlife an idea of wolf dispulser and wolf right, numbers right, right, in Colorado. Right, right. So that's a that's a great thing. Uh, again, stopthewolf.org. Find your facts. Let your neighbors know. Talk to some non-hunters. They're not anti-hunting. They're just non-hunting and they don't explain it. But give them the facts about what we need to address to stop this initiative going forward. And then help us contribute some money, 25 bucks. We'd love to have every deer and elk hunter in Colorado donate $25. And a lot of them have. And, but we need more, and particularly with this pandemic going on. And then we have this natural, uh, the national presidential election coming up in November. So the conflict of news media there. And I, I'm planning, what I've done recently, I've taken the top 10 newspapers, and I'm going to write a, a editorial or an op editorial opinion for each one of those newspapers and all the other ones around Colorado and send them out little note and see if they'll print this. The other thing is, we have 62 or 64 counties here in Colorado. 39 of them currently have signed a resolution opposing the wolf introduction. I went to the Larimer County ones, and unfortunately, they didn't want to get involved. But Weld County, where we're sitting, mm-hmm. came up with a county resolution. Uh, Jackson County, Grand County, where I used to live. Right, right. A couple of counties along the Front Range. So 39 counties, and this is just not West Slope. This is Western Prairie and Douglas County signed a resolution. And a couple counties south of there. So there's some counties that will never, like Boulder and some Adams maybe around Denver. But there are counties that are saying, we understand the impact that wolves will have on our livestock. And if nothing else, we're going to support those other wildlife or those uh, other counties that wolves will have an impact over time. So we need the funding. We need your help. We need your understanding. We need you to get the facts from stopthewolf.org. We need to have you 
communicate this with your family, with your friends, and with people that you just run into. Say, are you aware of the wolf issue? And they say, no, give them some facts about it and have a good discussion and give them the facts and try not to deal with too much emotion here. Good. That's great. Now, I want to hear... You mentioned earlier the rock, the guy who used to manage the Rocky Mountain National Park. Exactly. I want to hear what his opinion is with the elk populations and go right. into that a little bit right. more. So uh, I, I know this because I testified in behalf of the Colorado bow hunters uh, at that commission meeting that they held at Rocky Mountain National Park, and this was maybe 15 years ago in the early 2000s. And uh, I had lived over on the Granby side, on mm -hmm. Lake Granby. So I knew the Rocky Mountain National Park very well, and I knew the elk herd there. And I knew that over time it was getting larger because once the elk are in the park, they are under the guise of the Park Service. If they step over the boundary, then they can be part of the management system for the Division of Wildlife. So there is that, that, that issue of elk and what boundary they're over or under. So... Uh, uh, the park said, we have too many elk and we need to do something about it. So there were a variety of solutions in public meetings all over the, not over the state, but up at Nestor's Park. And I went to one of them, it had the Divisional Wildlife there, it had the Com Wildlife Commission, it had the park officials there. Their proposal was to use federal sharpshooters to come in and shoot a number of cow elk over time, 19 year period, 20-year period, and spend $19 million doing it. They would take the cow elk dead, and they would bury them in the park, and they would leave a few out for scavengers to take. That was the plan. That was the plan. That was our tax, federal tax money to be spent that way. People said, why not use hunters? Well, unfortunately, like some national parks, in their resolution, in their, in their bylaws, in their makeup, it traditionally, it did not include hunting. So you can't hunt in the Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, Even though that's a great way for you to uh, so, achieve your conservation goals. Yeah, but there's no hunting. Right. So so a congressman tried to introduce a hunt through through legislative process through the federal government. It never got out of committee. Nobody would support that. So there's no hunting in the park, and you can't even mention hunters. So So I testified. I went up, and I said, this is ridiculous. To kill these elk and just let them lay and bury them without even utilizing that meat because that's why we hunt. We love this wild game backstrap wrapped in bacon, cooked medium rare and a little mm -hmm. red wine to wash it down. That's why we hunt. We like the thrill of the hunt. We like getting close to animals, but we like the wild game meat, free range, nutritious, yeah. no antibiotics, no right. growth hormones. Oh, right. no, 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 no. What a shame to kill hundreds of elk in the park over time and bury them. So I testified before them. I said, what a shame that you're treating these elk like domestic cattle, that you're just gonna shoot them and not utilize them. So finally, with enough negative testimony or po uh, against what they wanted to do, they decided we're gonna come up with a, a citizen's culling team made up of citizen cullers, not hunters, because they couldn't use that worm to hunter. Right, right. And we're going to take them, they can volunteer, and we're going to take them out to the range and make sure they can shoot pretty They're well proficient. at 100 yards. Mm -hmm. We're going to educate them on why we're doing this to reduce the elk population in, in the Rocky Mountain National Park. And we're going to uh, oversee that with state and federal 
uh, bi- biologists. And we're going to go out and pick out a herd of cow elk at a certain time of year, close off the park, maybe in the late winter, and said, okay, we need to kill those 10 cow elk. Bam, 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 10 elk hit the ground. We're also going to go and test them for chronic wasting disease. So let's say all of them came up negative. Okay. We're going to take that meat, and the Division of Wildlife at the time is going to process that meat and put it in lockers and then those citizens who want that meat can go into a, a lottery system. And Joe Blow gets a phone call saying, hey, Joe, we've got your half an elk down here from the Rocky Mountain National Park. It's good to eat. Come down and get it. Hallelujah. Right. That's why we hunt. It's called, and we, I even testified, gentlemen, this is wanton waste. You're going to kill these elk and dump them and not utilize the meat. This is wanton waste. It's against the law. So finally, they, not just because of me, but other people got on that bandwagon and said, what you want to do is ridiculous. They have not done any culling for years in the park because they've got that elk herd pretty well under control and maybe even elk that have migrated out of the park have been controlled by the Division of Wildlife. So Von Baker, who was the superintendent then, wrote a editorial for the Denver Post. I got a copy right here. Rocky Mountain National Park, why it won't work why Rocky Mountain National Park is not like Yellowstone. And they looked at this whole situation because when we were at the meeting, people that wanted, thought wolves would be the perfect solution for the Rocky Mountain Elk, I'm sorry, the Rocky Mountain National Park Elk issue, said, oh, bring the wolves in. Right, yeah. Bring, just bring them in, bring them in. So they analyzed this over a six-month period. They had feds in there. They had biologists. They had sociologists, everybody they could think of. And they said, it won't work here because there's no way that we can keep wolves in the park. There's no way that we can direct these wolves to take out the animals we want to take out. There are too many human beings around the Rocky Mountain National Park from Grand Lake to to Granby area where I used to work all the way over to Loveland and all along that front range. There's no way we can keep these wolves there. So we need to come up with a different system. And the reasons they gave were exactly reasons why we shouldn't have them here in Colorado. Period. Period. Yes. Yeah. So, but... That was years ago, and of course, people that read that, it's long gone in their minds. Is there a way that people could get to that piece? I mean, is that online, you think? You think I they found it s- online. Okay. All I did, all, what I have done over the years is that I go to, uh, on my computer, I, I put in the Google search, and I put in uh, editorials on wolves, okay. uh, recent editorials, or editorials in the Denver Post, here, and wolf issues, and Rocky Mountain wolf issues, and Yellowstone wolf issues, and what's the real story about Yellowstone, and, and what's the deal? And I was just given, uh, I just printed a, a 22-page report, and I can't... Uh, make it it's not even it's a draft by a by a biologist t- t- talking about the whole whiff issue across the state and to give a whole outline of, of of what's been going on here so there's a lot of information out there to people that can educate themselves but i think you guys at uh what's the website dot org stop the wolf stop the wolf dot org you guys have taken this a plethora of information and kind of sifted through it in order to create some talking points as you said no doubt about it be good for people to get on there to educate themselves but then also to be able to break it down let's be honest you and i can sit here and probably talk for three hours about this issue because we have strong feelings yes because we have experience because we care about 
this ecosystem that we happen to be a part of. And although we can't change the number of people that are here, we do know that it affects in the long run, it, it, we have to manage it because we're here. So now with it being here, now we are at maybe six, maybe eight million in 20, 25 years. So we're even expanding our population and our immersion into the ecosystem where wolves, quote unquote, again, air quotes, would be living. We would be doing a disservice. I, I just, I, I, can't, I can't help but go back to that you bringing that point up, I never looked at it that way, and I think that's a viable way to do it. I always look at it. Look, I don't the the negative impact wolves are going to have on moose and elk, particularly. Mm -hmm. I I don't want any part of. Okay, I just drew a moose tag, and so there. If there's three thousand moose, there's going to be two thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Come September twelfth, hopefully. You. If you need some help uh, <laughs> on now, give me a call. <laughs> so, um, but I don't I don't want to see that take effect let alone the fact that one thing uh, Yellowstone did prove with the reintroduction of wolves in Yellowstone was that wolves do not un understand boundaries that is exactly and true and we have a huge a thriving agricultural system in Colorado where generation after generation of ranchers have lived in the same land and now we're going to put something else I mean you get a bad winter I yeah. mean we've got enough hard things that go against these ranchers and coming from an agricultural background in New Mexico myself, um, I, that matters to me. And and the the takeaway is that the pro wolfers say, well, there's six million cattle in Colorado, and the wolves are only going to kill three or four hundred or a couple hundred of them. Right. What if they were your cattle? And what if your ranch lost two or three cows and a big prize bull, and that loss right there was your revenue for the year? Right, you're okay. complete, 100 percent. That's right. Right. That's right. That's right. And with the with the beef project, beef uh, value going as the way it goes up and down, it's very difficult for ranchers to make a living. That's why some ranchers are allowing hunters through fees to come on their property to help supplement Offset. their income. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, we've got to. Uh, I just think we have got to get the word out, and we can't as hunters. We can't. Although we might think that wolves are cool i do and beautiful i do and definitely have a place in some ecosystems that ecosystem because of population and uh and what we have as you said spread out in this state it's this is not the place for them well and and let me make this point again is that hunters and fishermen so let's look at the division of wildlife's budget just let's say it's one and a half million dollars 75 percent of that nearly comes from hunter and fishing fees so it's supported by hunter and fishermen mm -hmm. 12 percent of that roughly comes from the go colorado lottery fund which is used for habitat improvement the other 12 percent comes from the pittman roberts act right. which is taxation on archery equipment right. and hunting guns and ammunition and is funneled back to the state based on the amount of hunters and fishermen in that state. So that's where the money comes from. It does not, it does not come from the general tax funds. Division of Wildlife is an enterprise system. It uses funding 
from sources versus general funds. So the general population, if they don't hunt or fish, does not support the Division of Wildlife and their scientific management, in their habitat improvement, in their in their long range projections, in their you know on and on and on. And and having wildlife for everybody to view here in Colorado uh, is the thing. So people that say, oh yeah, I like wildlife, and but they're not contributing anything if they don't aren't part of the system and people will then say well you hunters just want to kill those animals for yourself well that is true in certain sense because we appreciate what the division of wildlife does and we don't mind being charged a user fee right and so they say oh it's political well it's sort of political it's politics and the fact that we're contributing to an organization or a, a division that does us good and we do them good and so they're going to cater more to hunters and fishermen, but all wildlife in Colorado belong to all citizens, right. whether they contribute to it or not. Right. So stopthewolf.org, help us fund this campaign. We're going to kick it up in late September and October prior to the election. We're going to do some things on radio. Some of the ranchers are going to do billboards along major highways where social media is good. I'm going to, and we're going to try to get on some of the newspapers. Television, $300,000 for a short snip i mean that would eat up a million dollars so quick and with this election coming up can you imagine the cost of tv no so that probably won't happen i'm just yeah i mean it's almost impossible okay we've been going over an hour i think i think this i think we could keep this going and i think this discussion needs to be kept going go to the website people you need 20 25 bucks is nothing okay so if you looked at it like this, how cool would it be if an elk tag was 25 bucks? Well, it's not. It's a little more expensive even for residents. What, 500 for non-residents? Well, Something. it's almost 650, 650 or 7 okay. It's $54 okay. for residents. Yeah. So look at it that way, people. Look at it like it's almost like a future license fee because that's kind of, in a way, if this happens, it's going to affect your hunting. And if maybe not... Me, um, as much as my daughter. Future generations. Future generations. So we have, we can't fall off like we did with the bear. We can't fall off. We've got to vote. We've got to, and in order to vote, we need the voters. So in order to get the voters, we need to get the info out. In order to get the info out, we need the financial resources to do that. What was very interesting, and very briefly, I... I saw a website from Maine, and they have a wolf coalition over there to try to bring wolves into co- in more so into Maine than are already there. And I went on their website because they were talking about Colorado. And I said, why are you? It's always amazing for me from somebody out, state, out of state to think they know more about Colorado than they do. And they want to impose certain things on Coloradoans that uh, they know nothing about just because they want it. Right. And that's what the pro wolfers, they want it. There's no need here. And like you said, wolves are good looking. They always, you always amazing see pictures creatures. of them. They are amazing. They won't fit here in Colorado. So thanks everybody for your support. And uh, we're going to wor- be working hard. I'm going to be working hard in Larimer County and statewide to get this, this initiative defeated uh, on November 3rd. Tell your friends it's coming up. And uh, 
help support stop the wolf and uh, paul, paul navarre you i've known you ever since the first day i met you i have the ultimate respect for the amount of work you do on the backside people don't even have a clue what you do to help us as hunters here in colorado maintain our rights you for years and years were the one that 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 monitored all of the politics you were you were the one and and now you know you've done so much you and i've had a friendship for a long time i thank you for what you're doing people get out there as always thanks for listening and hey go out embrace your wild find what stirs your soul embrace it god bless and we'll see you down the trail yeah thanks again